Now, time to discuss more of the headlines and simple keywords with Adam, who is joining us over Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Good morning. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday to you. Uh, let's get right down to it. Uh, can you give us the first keyword of the day? Rice bill. Okay, a little bit of controversy over in Parliament. The Democratic Party has forced a bill through committee that will basically prop up the rice market. And this has, of course, sparked anger from the ruling party. Uh, give us the latest drama. Right, so it's not really a law that's been implemented just yet. It has gone through committee being mm-hmm. the key there. Uh, that committee being the Agriculture, Food, Rural Affairs, Oceans and Fisheries Committee. It's quite a name. Voted in favour of an amendment to the Grain Management Act. Uh, it obligates the government to purchase uh, excessive rice from local farms when rice production exceeds 3% of estimated consumption or when the price drops more than 5% from the average So basically, it's a measure to stabilize the rice market if it goes sideways. Now, under the current law, the purchasing of rice by government to stabilize the market is optional. Um, So the Democratic Party basically wants to mandate that. Uh, And of the 19 members of the committee, 10 from the DP and the independent Yun Mi-Hang are voted in favor. And Yun is actually a former DP member. Um, so essentially 11 DP members, if you will. Uh, now, the PPP denounced the steamrolling, uh, it called, by the DP and said the vote was a political manoeuvre by the DP to win support of farmers. Iang um, Zhu, uh, a PPP lawmaker, said the amendment is populist policy that will ruin the rice industry. And he added that it is a move to also distract attention from accusations against the DP leader, Yi Jae-myung, who's also embroiled in a bit of controversy uh, lately. Um, the Democratic Party claims that it had no choice but to force the bill through committee, as the PPP has been uncooperative, in their words. Um, the bill still has to make its way through the Legislation and Judiciary Committee, uh, which is chaired by a PPP member, before being put to a vote in the National Assembly. But there, of course, the DP holds the majority. And even if it does pass through, uh, President Yoon Sung-yeol could veto the bill. So this could this, there could be this back and forth of the PPP will be against it and the DP will uh, push through with it. But at the end, the president can veto the bill. And that looks like a out, uh, likely outcome because the government has strongly objected to it arguing that the mandatory purchase will not only stress the national balance sheet, but also weaken the competitiveness of local farmers. Um, Agriculture Minister Chong Wang-gun, for one, said the government has already spent to buy up excessively produced rice, and yet the price still failed to go up. And he said trying to control the price by obligating the government to buy the excessive rice will only further encourage the farmers to continue to overproduce, and they could become dependent on the government and not themselves. Um, He suggested other options, such as diverting the excessively produced rice to make other products, such as processed goods like rice flour, for example. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of controversy, a lot of, it's a big sticking point in Parliament. We'll just have to see what the end result is. Yeah, well, it just seems a little bit of um, overreaction and drama by the two sides. A little bit of political posturing, it seems like. Well, when has there never been a reaction <laughs> in theatre in Parliament? So just yes, another example of it, I guess. Okay, uh, let's move on to the second keyword of the day. Rocket sale. 
Okay, we had recent news uh, in recent months how uh, South Korea is moving up the ranks uh, as a defense um, arms seller uh, in the global market. And Poland has signed a deal to buy hundreds of South Korean multiple rocket launchers uh, amid efforts to step up the nation's defense uh, in light of the war in neighboring Ukraine. Um, Give us the latest here. Right, well, the deal is for 288 uh, Tomu launchers. These systems are basically comparable to the American-made HIMARS launchers, a number of which Poland is also uh, acquiring as well. But uh, the American ones aren't coming in time uh, or within the schedule that Poland wants. So basically, it's turning to what Poland said was a good friend Korea for these Tonmu systems. Now, the first 18 launchers will be delivered as soon as next year to protect uh, eastern Poland, especially during that Russia-Ukraine conflict. Uh, the weapons are made by Hanar Defense, so a private firm. Uh, South Korea's Defense Minister Lee jong sub said the deal raises cooperation between the two nations to new levels. Uh, there's been other weapons deals between the two countries already. Uh, now, with a maximum range of 80 kilometers, the Tomu system has served as a key counter-artillery asset to Korea to counter North Korea's long-range artillery, uh, more of which have come, and we'll get onto that in a bit. Uh, Tomu basically means covering the sky in Korean, if that's uh, a fun fact for anyone. Now, the, the agreement comes as Korean companies ship the first batch of tanks and howitzers to Poland, so there's already been a deal there. The shipments have started uh, the mobile rocket launchers are expected to be installed on Polish-made Zelts uh, trucks. Um, the defense chiefs of South Korea and Poland also vowed to, to boost defense industry cooperation, and they also vowed to ensure arms deals between South Korean companies and Warsaw are carried out without issue. So that means there could be more to come. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, as you mentioned, let's jump over to the next keyword. More artillery shells. Yes, and it seems like uh, North Korea is not stopping uh, their antics. They have continued to fire hundreds of artillery shells into the inter-Korean maritime buffer zone uh, for several days now. What's the latest updates? Right, well, the regime is basically justifying the barrages as what it's calling strong countermeasures against military drills here by South Korea. Uh, and the U.S. and South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff said it detected around 100 additional shells fired into the Yellow Sea starting uh, at just after noon uh, yesterday. Now, the shells landed in the western buffer zone set under this uh, inter-Korean military agreement back in 2018. And none of the uh, artillery shells, though, fell into actually South Korean waters, so north of the northern limit line. Um, now, the JCS said it is strengthening a readiness posture to prepare for possible contingencies. It's tracking the North's military movements in cooperation with the United uh, States. Uh, Now, the shots came after the general staff of the North Korean People's Army said, quote, enemies shot more than 10 shells of multiple rocket launchers Wednesday morning while ordering a threatening warning fire in response. Uh, So again, justifying them as retaliation against uh, South Korea's military drill. Um, Now, North Korea has fired around 910 artillery shells in six days. That's as of Wednesday afternoon. The KPA general staff has issued four statements to justify the artillery firing firing as a military counteraction against um, the military drills by South Korea and the U.S. 
which are defensive in nature, according to Solomon Washington. Now, the latest barrage marked the North's second consecutive day of military provocation. It launched roughly 250 artillery shells into that buffer zone off its east and west coasts on Tuesday, and we did report on that. Um, the North also fired artillery rounds into the buffer zones last week as well. Uh, and, of course, this is causing more concern. North Korea basically sees them as a continued retaliation against continued military drills. So as long as the military drills are ongoing, it's more likely that the North will continue uh, these provocations. Um, the U.S. State Department expressed concerns over the firings, but it said it still is committed to engaging with North Korea through dialogue. Mm -hmm. Okay, and going over to the fourth keyword of the day. IRA concerns. Okay, so IRA stands for the Inflation Reduction Act that was recently implemented in the United States. Amongst the many um, clauses in this act, it excludes um, foreign automakers, uh, including Korean electronic ve electric vehicles, from the subsidy benefits that it provides. So Hyundai Motor Group chairman is expected to visit the U.S. this month to make a case for Hyundai and Korean automakers. Right. It's not the first time he's actually going to the U.S. for this, but he will reportedly, according to Bloomberg anyway, uh, is scheduled to uh, attend the ceremony for the start of uh, Hyundai electric vehicle for Hyundai's electric vehicle plants in Georgia, scheduled uh, for the 25th. It's interesting because that plant that's going to be built in georgia was actually planned to be built in mexico uh, but it has changed the location to the u.s um white house climate advisor ali zaidi will also reportedly be present for that ceremony it is unknown whether tongi sun will hold a separate meeting to discuss the ira issue during that ceremony or whether it will come at a later date uh Tung actually went to the u.s last month to prepare for ira countermeasures um as i said uh, it was this plant was actually scheduled for a different location, and it was originally scheduled to start construction of this plant in the first half of next year, but has decided to advance the start date due to the IRA. Uh, Hyundai is also lobbying the U.S. Treasury Department, which makes guidelines on tax credits uh, as well. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Handok Su has visited a Hyundai research center, and he told Hyundai officials that the government will actively consult with the U.S. Congress and administration. Um, to find a solution as soon as possible to cope with the IRA. Uh, Han stopped short of providing details on how to provide uh, or how to address such concerns, but he said that South Korea will mobilize all diplomatic and economic channels to find a solution. Okay. And the fifth and final keyword of the day? Stalking law. The Justice Ministry has proposed a stricter law requiring convicted stalkers to wear electronic monitoring devices. Um, this has been in recent years, uh, have been a growing concern for the public here. So give us how the new law is going to change things, especially for the victims. All right. Well, if we look at things uh, currently, high-risk convicted murderers, sex offenders, burglars and child kidnappers, they are subject to the use of devices such as ankle bracelets. Uh, these are mandated, though, after a conviction or a court ruling, and the ministry wants stalkers to wear ankle bracelets before a court sentencing. Um, so now, it hopes this will prevent further crimes while a trial is actually being held. Uh, 
uh, and then is, is also proposing uh, to take out the clause that stalking crimes are unpunishable upon the victim's um, objection, considering that a lot of victims give up seeking penalization in fear of retaliation by the offenders. Many perpetrators avoid criminal punishments after reaching settlements um, with the victim. That's also been one of the main criticism points of uh, of recently uh, due to the uh, murder of that young subway worker by her stalking colleague. Um, now, the ministry wants to reduce as many loopholes in the anti-stalking law that has been taking a lot of slack for being basically inadequate. Uh, and there's also been growing public resentment, uh, which has sparked the government to push through stricter measures. But it's not the first time this issue has uh, been brought up uh, to the limelight. Uh, the governments then have also reacted similarly, but they haven't really worked. So we'll have to see what kind of measures are put in place if these loopholes are indeed resolved um, and what kind of movements are made in Parliament as well. I mean, I could only imagine that there are also some legal issues surrounding this because mm. to f mandate or to require someone to wear a uh, monitoring device before conviction, um, that could mm -hmm. be a violation of rights for them as well, right? If you right, flip I perspective here a little bit. Right, it goes against the whole, it doesn't really apply that much to Korea, but if, for example, in the US, you know, innocent until proven guilty, it's kind of, yeah, it's a, a bit of a premature accusation, uh, which some might deem it to be. So whether it will uh, pass through Parliament, we'll have to see on what deliberations are made regarding it, but this is just a government proposal for the time being. Uh, they will be tabling it for deliberation, but we'll have to see what the rival parties have to say. And on that legal issues, maybe we'll um, ask that question to our legal expert, Dr. Lee, in our um, Wednesday Corners. Okay, Adam, thank you so much for your time this morning. You're very welcome. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.